Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. It's a new week and another Tactical Tuesday, short form conversations with subject matter exports designed to give you practical tools, tips, and advice to build your solar business and career. I have a question for you. Are you leveraging the tools available to you to make better decisions as early in the process as possible? So generally, we don't want to run into problems in the due diligence phase of these huge assets that we're building, talking mostly in the commercial industrial and utility scale side of the solar industry. You could have avoided them if you just knew how to model the project better or had a way to optimize your decision making process. See, that problem persists still to this day because many of us still live in Excel farm hell. You know what I'm talking about. 17 Excel models for every single project. Nobody is quite sure which one is the right one. And you still haven't figured out exactly how to leverage software to make a change when something goes wrong this close to the end of the project. It's kind of crazy, but the number of businesses that literally are doing business like that will boggle your mind. You need a way to define winning projects fast while eliminating all the doubt that you've selected the most optimal configuration. Anyone who has sat in your seat understands how frustrating it is to commit to a design strategy knowing that if you had time or data, you could find something better. Ashton Vandemark is business unit manager for TerraSmart's Solar Instant Feasibility Tool Division, affectionately referred to by its acronym, SIFT. If you like what you are hearing here, I hope you'll subscribe to the Suncast show, especially if it's your first time here. Uh, if we earn your attention, please just hit that subscribe button. That's how you'll get that's how you'll get notified of our twice weekly content just like this. And of course, you can always go back and check out the more than 450 additional founder stories and startup advice at mysuncast.com. We're here each and every week to help you dial in and accelerate your clean energy career. For now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune into another powerful Tactical Tuesday here on Suncast. So many of us have had the common scenario where we need to make a change. We aren't sure if that change is going to make an impact. We aren't sure if our model is optimized and yet we still need to proceed because we have to get these projects through the due diligence phase. We can build them and start generating, generating kilowatt hours. Today's guest, Ashton Vandermark, is going to help us focus our efforts. And we're going to talk a bit about a product that he created to solve his own pain back in his early days as a project development engineer. Ashton, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nico. Good to be here. Ashton, I appreciate the opportunity anytime I have it to really have a conversation with someone who has practical experience on the front lines, as we like to say, for our solar warriors. Can you give me a sense from the earliest days that you started looking into uh, sort of how to optimize and improve your own experience as an engineer? What were some of the issues that you struggled with early in those uh, solar project development days? Yeah, absolutely, Nico. Let me give you a little my little of my history. Um, I graduated with a mechanical engineering degree from Ohio State. Uh, shortly after, I lived in China for a couple of years teaching physics, and that'll become relevant uh, here quickly. After that, I 
bounced around, did a little bit of engineering uh, work for Procter & Gamble in Germany. I was an engineering manager in Ohio, and I decided, you know, I really want to get into the renewable space. I was very passionate about it in college. I couldn't find an opportunity, uh, and I ended up landing a job at SunPower. And what the, the job was is SunPower had a number of projects and opportunities that they were developing in China. So that's kind of the connection mm. that allowed me to land the, the gig. And my role was pretty unique. I was somewhat of a nexus between the teams in China and the teams in California. So it was my role to take a lot of the knowledge, know-how, tools, and absorb as much as I could. Uh, design, performance modeling, financial modeling, and bring all that over to the to the teams in China and help them develop a number of projects. So we had a couple of projects in the operation stage. We also also had a number of projects in the uh, development stage, and I was also doing a, a bit of project management on a few new product introduction projects there. I think it's worth noting for those who maybe haven't had a chance to take a peek at your LinkedIn, we'll link to that. It wasn't just any product in particular relevant to many folks who are listening right now. They probably mm-hmm. want to know you were working specifically on a tracker design, right? You were looking at how to optimize uh, the, the utility scale product development cycle. Right. So this was around 2015 and their business model was evolving at the time. They were developing their own projects, which was kind of their bread and butter up to that point. And they were also interested in building their own products, meaning trackers. Of course, they had their own modules and selling those to other developers. So I had the experience of being on both sides of that transaction, both selling a product to a developer and also being the developer myself and trying to implement these products on sites. Through that experience, I recognized a very concerning pattern, both within the business I was in, but also with the customers that I was communicating to, which is that this development cycle and decision cycle is extremely fast. You get a piece of land and it's, what do we do? Everyone knows that there are infinite possibilities for a solar project, but more often than not, it's, hey, that's a single access tracker site, 1.25 DCAC, let's see what we can do. Hey, that's a ground fix site, 1.4 DCAC, let's see what we can do. So we are seeing all these challenges throughout the industry, working with these different developers, uh, working internally, and we get a project site and I have the same tools at my disposal as anyone listening here today. I have PVSYST, I have Excel, I have maybe some internal models, a couple of macros, um, a half-baked piece of software somewhere in, in another department. And I'm struggling to take a product and a program that I'm partially responsible for and win. And I'm taking everything I can working overtime to try to approach something that is going to be applicable to to the customer or going to win for the business. And so that's the that's the challenge that I sort of identified and wanted to solve. And is this typically sort of bucketed into the pre-construction and feasibility phase of projects? That's where you were trying to solve problems? Yeah, I certainly had scope that went from pre-construction through to O&M, but the the challenge that I identified was exactly there at that pre-construction, that feasibility stage. Hey, we just got a call from a customer. Here's a piece of land that they have. 
we want to inject this product. How do we how do we put our best foot forward on this particular site with its particular topography, its weather, and on and on to win it? Yeah. And to be clear, for for someone maybe who has not been in the project development process, you're the 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 dialogue that you are engaging in here is with perhaps a sales team customer facing who maybe is bidding into a project to either allocate product or to try and as as yourself developing to win that project development process from someone else, right? So it is about optimizing the solution. What's the best dollar value that you can offer? And a lot of times, many of us know how this is, is you can run into complications that are hard to model, okay? At what point did you realize, I might be able to solve this? And what skill set did you leverage to actually start addressing that problem? Right. Uh, Part of it was the breadth of my scope. So instead of being siloed in the design team or the finance team or the construction team or the product engineering team, I had the privilege of being in a, a role that allowed me to touch all of those groups. So I knew what a design was supposed to look like. I knew what the products were capable of and what they weren't. I knew what a performance model was and how to create one. And I knew what a financial model was and how to create a PPA rate or identify an IRR or calculate the NPV. And so I had that, I wanted to connect the feasibility study problem to financial reality, uh, being able to connect, what do I do here and be directed by value, not by any other variable. So I, I had the scope that, and I had an understanding of that cycle and I had a decent knowledge of computer programming. Uh, throughout my career, I've always dabbled and been interested. I, I actually did mechanical engineering because I didn't want to sit at a desk at a computer all day. And here we are. <laughs> it turns out I like it a lot. <laughs> um, but I had enough programming knowledge to understand, you know, what's possible, what's impossible, what's easy to do via programming, what's a little bit outside or, or a little bit too abstract for a computer to really handle well, actually, I, I got to ask, you know, you're not a computer science major, you're a mechanical engineer. Um, at what point did you realize, A, this is going to be a software product, B, this might be something bigger than like my current job at SunPower? Yeah. So because I knew the, the scope of the project development, um, what was going to be required, I knew a lot of it could be programmed. A lot of it was programmed and is programmed. It's just mm-hmm. not all stitched together. It's in an Excel sheet. It's in yeah. software A. It's in software B. So mm-hmm. I knew that if I could build something that bridged all those and could do it fast and fluidly, I might have something. So it turns out you did have something. Those of us that are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are dying to better understand, at what point did you realize this is a business that I think I'm going to go create? This product, I think I can offer to more than just my current client who's buying 100% of my time. Yeah, that was a tough decision, but I was uh, young and bold and I, and I jumped for it. Um, I knew it was a problem in the, in the industry yeah. and I knew people had solutions or, or pseudo solutions to, to the problem. But I thought, yeah. hey, if there's ever a time, if there's ever a, an opportunity where I might be able to create something that doesn't have an enormous amount of startup costs that could really have a, a big impact on the industry solve a solve a real problem and something that I could be passionate about, this might be it. So that's when I decided to to leave SunPower and and 
take a shot. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. Its built-in DC to DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. So I'm sitting here looking at how the story is unfolding, Ashton, and wondering how you decide what to build first, where to begin. Yeah, so I knew I had a decent understanding of the problem, but I needed a bit more technical horsepower. So I brought in a, a longtime friend and, and ultimately co-founder, Nick Sanderson, who has deep computer science knowledge and is really that cloud guru that I needed to, to bring this to life. So we started off building the backend. So we built the, the cloud architecture. We built the automated layout modeling engines, the performance engines, the financial engines, and made sure that they could operate at scale and operate quickly enough to evaluate the many thousands of project configurations that we wanted to be able to do very, very fast, you know, sub one minute mm -hmm. type of fast. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. And what I hear that you're building out here, if I'm a non-computer scientist, project developer, novice in how software works, you know, it sounds a bit like the, I don't want to be pedestrian here, but like the helioscope for utility scale projects. So how is this solution different in the marketplace from what already existed? Sure. The way I like to characterize it differently than a helioscope is that SIFT ultimately is not a design tool. It's a decision-making tool. It's a data generation tool. So SIFT is not sitting in a place where it will generate or be some sort of CAD light application for you to create a design. It is meant for you to ingest the early inputs from the project development cycle, boundaries, weather, topography, other boundary conditions like contract parameters and interconnection parameters, and cycle through thousands of permutations of what if we did this tracker with this module with all these different row spacings, GCRs, and all these different DCAC ratios. And we ran that through and figured out what the actual capacity would be for that single configuration. Then we ran it through ran it through a performance model and figured out how much energy that configuration would produce. And then ultimately run that through a financial model and understand how valuable that configuration would be considering all those boundary conditions and parameters. And then do that a thousand times, 10,000 times, different modules, different costs, different racking options, ultimately generating an enormous amount of data for the developer, for the user of SIFT to be able to make an educated decision around what do I do on this project? What do I design for? What do I design to? And that's what SIFT does. It sounds at its core like a data machine, right? Something that takes in and then outputs just reams of data uh, that need to be parsed. Does the software then help evaluate that data? Yeah, of course. Often what you're looking for is the highest rate of return. So you can sort and identify mm -hmm. the highest rate of return project and pull out the details of uh, the production details yeah. and the financial details and CAD exports and all that stuff. But you're very much correct, Nico. It is a data engine. You want your engineers and analysts and developers to be operating and making decisions against as much data as possible. The mm -hmm. typical 
the typical process, development process is you get that, that early data set, boundary, some other information, and you maybe kick it over and get a few CAD designs drawn up. That ends up going to estimating. Mm-hmm. Maybe it goes to a civil person. Maybe then it goes to a production model person or a consultant. Then it goes to a financial modeler. And these silos might be combined in some cases, but that cycle takes weeks and in some cases, a lot of money. And in every case, you get a very limited view of what's possible on the site. You know, maybe you evaluated five options, 10 options. And if anything changes in the development cycle, not that that would ever happen, you know, we've never seen it before, but say a module cost changed or, you know, in today's world, the module is not available anymore. You have to get a different module. You know, one of the hardest parts of developing a business and a product is finding those early signature clients that you that agree that you have product market fit. Can you talk a few minutes about finding product market fit and who those early validators were for you in this in the design cycle? Yeah, absolutely. We built that cloud engine. And before we ever had a UI or a real product, we went out and shopped that cloud engine uh, as a as a consultant service. And so we validated the model through these early customers and certainly provided those customers with a lot of value. Uh, one of those customers being RBI Solar. So at the time that you're building this business that solves a real problem, RBI being one of them, RBI is not a project developer. They're a product manufacturer, not engaged as, as I recall in direct project development, the way that SunPower was, for example. How were you thinking about the way that your product integrates with both product and project development uh, cycles? Is it something that's kind of an an API that talks to their Excel farm? Uh, is it a set of stand-aside software they have to subscribe to? H- how did you solve that problem? And, and then how did maybe the early interactions with RBI and their clients help you mature the ultimate product decision? Yeah. And to be clear, we had the majority of our customers at that stage were, were developers such as Clearway, Pattern, and there were others that uh, may or may not be comfortable being public. Uh, for RBI, they had a unique problem. They had a bunch of different products and not a lot of technology in-house that would allow them to work with their customers to decide which product was ultimately the best. So oh, this the, is great. So for those who don't know, RBI in particular had multiple iterations or configurations of their racking products. It could have been a fixed till, it could have been a tracker, it could have been two and portrait. There are different orientations to not go too deep into the decision-making metrics, but matrix, but it was a it sounds like it was a very good, uh, it was analogous to how do we as a manufacturer even make a recommendation to our client that is the most optimized solution? Correct. Yeah. So I pitched them right. an idea, I believe it was at, at an inner solar in 2018 or so said, Hey, we have this capability. I need revenue. What if I flipped it and uh, built a parallel platform for, for you guys to be able to use mm, operate like a white def- label platform? Exactly. That they would be able mm-hmm. to use to to better inform uh, which products they were putting forward for their customers. And again, you put the best product in yeah. front of the customer for a project, that's a higher probability of a win. Well, I love the example you were about to give earlier. Maybe we can revert back to that now. Let's look at a practical example kind of right now in the industry where module procurement is just an absolute bottleneck in project development for anybody. Most of these assets are sitting there ready to be built. And we've got this logistics backlog. We've got 
module procurement issues that we don't even need to go into right now for trade issues that are, are limiting our selection process that for sure necessitate a change in real time in the project development uh, parameters. You've talked about how it's useful kind of at the beginning of the panel. What about this, this end of, of the project development where the whole game changes because of one piece getting stuck in logistics? Right. So there are a number of use cases here that are really interesting uh, that have almost been emergent from some of our uh, power users, our customers. So they'll mm-hmm. use SIFT and they'll optimize the site and they'll figure out you know, which module, which racking product is most applicable, which GCR, DCAC is going to get them, net them the highest return. And that that configuration or that idea might sit, it may get a little bit into detailed engineering and then something will change. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, the biggest thing we had to worry about is an underground pipeline popping up in the development cycle, but now it's a module cost skyrocketing or a module just mm-hmm. being unavailable and an entire pivot has to be made. So what right. people have started to use SIFT for in those cases are, okay, well, instead of going through this tedious, excruciating feasibility cycle again with this new module, with this new cost, let's just open the project back up in SIFT, switch my module, change the cost hit run, and you can immediately see right away what the delta is on your rate of return. You can immediately see if- And when the, you say immediately, like in seconds? In seconds. And how long would this have taken prior to SIFT? I mean, it's, it depends on how fast your Excel macro runs um, and how fast your silos communicate to each other. But And if to you've go got from, someone that's like effective at running R <laughs> or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. So- Okay. The the timeline varies on that feasibility study from getting into CAD and drawing rectangles to finding out what a what the IRR is going to be and all mm-hmm. the stages in between um, can take anywhere from uh, you know a week to a couple weeks depending on the the thoroughness and I was going to say structure. hours and you're saying days. Holy moly! Okay, so we're it's taking because- something that effectively. I mean, and this is from what we said at the beginning. How can we take a problem that persists in the industry? If, if our main goal in the industry is to accelerate the deployment of renewables, how do we mm. take something that would otherwise take weeks and turn it into seconds so that we can move forward faster and make decisions in real time? Maybe the money is waiting there going, can you make this change? And if you have to take two weeks, the money's going somewhere else. You can quickly model that in SIFT again in just a few seconds. And you can see, hey, with this change, my rate of return has dropped by X amount. Actually, with this change, my best design is different. Well, I've already done a bit of engineering. I can't move from 0.35 to 0.37 GCR. So again, I can go into the data and say, well, if I don't make that change, here's the amount of value that I'm giving up. And you can begin to Mm. give empower the teams to make those cost benefit analyses of, all right, if we don't make the change, this is what's going to happen. If we do, it's going to cost us this amount of time, this amount of money, and this is going to happen. Yeah. So well, Just instead of talking in generalities, I think you've actually mm-hmm. crunched the number. You've crunched the numbers on like over 200 gigawatts of projects that you've uh, run analysis on. What's the average gain that that a developer stands to see if they optimize using a software tool versus using their the 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 way we've always done it? Yeah, the we've seen improvements in IRR ranging from five to. 15%. It's very dependent on the approach that was taken before. Yeah. But the the assumption-based approach can lead you into some very bad corners uh, that you shouldn't be in. Yeah, sure. But I mean, an, an improvement from 5 to 15, 5 to 15% increase in project returns is phenomenal, right? I mean, that's 
that's a not, that's like all, uh, I imagine it's basis points that are very worthwhile. Right, gaining right. And not and not ten to twenty five. You know, ten to eleven point five. But that's yeah. In many of these cases, of course, millions and millions of dollars of uh, opportunity, which allows you to you know if you want to harvest that for margin, if you want to make sure that your bid is a little bit more competitive based on that gain, go for it. Well, Ashton, it sounds like from everything from module replacement to should I use ground mount versus fixed, leveraging a software tool like the one that you all created, formerly known as Sunfig, now part of the TerraSmart family of products, is revolutionizing the and accelerating the way that we optimize our decision making. My takeaways from the conversation based on what I've heard from you, and I want to hear if, if, I'm, if I've heard it correctly, is leveraging a tool like SIFT project developer can identify the best possible project with granularity, which equals better returns and better margins, as we just discussed. They can eliminate churn that can often be two to three weeks of back and forth to get multiple scenarios, and they can reduce doubt that the project they're building is the most optimized asset. Because at the end of the day, if you want to be more competitive, you want to know that you are more competitive. And if we have dedicated our careers and lives to accelerating the transition away from fossil fuels, we want to know that we're doing that with the product, meaning the asset in the field that's going to yield the most kilowatt hours. Am I, did I get everything? I think you nailed it, Nico. Well, Ashton, I may have uh, been able to summarize, but it seems to me like you nailed it in product design. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes we get lucky. Uh, I just want to say congratulations on having both in your corner. Uh, It looks like the solar instant feasibility tool, otherwise known as SIFT, is, uh, is a home run for you and it should be for folks who want to check it out. If anybody wants to take a look at this product, uh, you have, I believe you have a special offer for the Suncast community of a free month of access, right? How could they find that? Yeah, absolutely. You can find information, some videos, things like that on the terrasmart.com website. Uh, if you schedule a, a demo with us, just note that you came from the Suncast interview and I'll make sure that our team sets you up. Absolutely. And we'll make, we'll make it easier for folks as well. If you're a show notes reader, or if you just click on the button from our show notes page, uh, it'll be mysuncast.com forward slash TerraSmart. And congratulations, you're a Suncast listener. You get advantages other, other smart people in the world don't. Uh, one of those is hearing uh, a founder and uh, executive like Ashton, his story and how he created this game-changing product. Ashton, thank you for taking time to join us on Suncast and help us be smarter every day. Thank you, Nico. And thanks to all your listeners. All right, Solar Warrior. Well, that is a wrap on today's Tactical Tuesday. I am sure that you feel more prepared than you were a few moments ago on how to make better decisions faster with technology-enabled processes. Products like the Solar Instant Feasibility Tool, or SIFT, were created to help make your life easier. And if you'd like to check it out, as we just mentioned, you can jump over to mysuncast.com forward slash TerraSmart. That's T-E-R-R-A-S-M-A-R-T. And that will give you exactly the instructions you need for how to get that offer that Ashton just made at the end of the episode. Thank you again to the TerraSmart team and to Ashton for helping us be smarter every day. I'm grateful that you also show up. And if you're eager to keep learning, and I'm sure you are, my fellow Philomath, well, you can find resources and highlights from this show and every other discussion that we've had over 490 episodes so far now, along with social media links to Ashton and others, as well as book recommendations and more over on the blog at mysuncast.com. Again, you can find that offer for TerraSmart at mysuncast.com forward slash TerraSmart. 
And since I know you're going to be hopping online, please share your thoughts and takeaways about this episode with Ashton and I on LinkedIn. It's a place I like to be found the most. And it's a real treat when we get a chance to hear how this landed for you and would love to know who do you think needs to hear this story today as well. Sharing it with them is one of the kindest things that you could do for us here at Suncast. On this Thursday, I hope that you'll join us again for our long form executive profile. We have the executive director of Solar Energy International, Miss Elizabeth Sanderson. It's one that I don't think you'll want to miss as Elizabeth and I both bear our hearts on our sleeves and we get vulnerable about the lives that we're living, the buildings that we're inhabiting our bodies, as well as the businesses that we are creating and or empowering, like yours. Thanks for showing up. It's so helpful to know that folks like you care to listen to folks like us. Thanks once again to our sponsors for helping make this content free to you. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. And that's also how you could learn ways to partner with us to reach thousands of solar warriors and clean tech champions twice a week, just like this. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.